Welcome to Matt Noel Ministries Sermon Podcast. Feel free to download these sermons and share them with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. God bless. About a week ago, I was driving to work. I work in the country. I drive on country roads and I was, the country roads are 80 kilometers. I was going about maybe 70, 75. And out of nowhere, going at that speed, I hit a patch of ice. And I wasn't expecting it because I wouldn't be going 75 kilometers if I, so if I was driving on icy roads. But out of nowhere, my car started to swerve to the right. And then out of nowhere, it jolted left and swerved to the left. And thank the Lord, there was no other cars coming on. It could have been really bad. And thank the Lord, he kept me on the road. My heart was pumping. It was, it was quite a rush. But one thing I noticed in that time is immediately, as soon as I lost control in this circumstance that happened out of nowhere, I immediately said the name of Jesus. Amen. I didn't have to pray, oh God, what do I do? Who, what do I say? I didn't call upon the name of Cindy, although I love her name, it's great. I just out of nowhere said Jesus. And the reason why is because I trust him. I trust that God is with me always in every circumstance. And that situation is much like life for you and for me. Out of nowhere, life can out of nowhere seem like it's out of control. And everybody said amen. You can be cruising down the highway. Things seem to be smooth, in control, going really well. And suddenly you're swerving. And you're in a situation where you don't know what to do. Let me tell you this morning, the last thing you should do is try to figure out your circumstance on your own. You will only become more discouraged, more tired, more frustrated. Things will not get better. Things will get worse if you try to resolve your problems on your own. Call upon the name of Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus completely in Jesus. The Bible teaches us, we learned this verse as a young child, Romans 8, 28. Paul says this, Paul the Apostle, he says this, he says, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Paul went through some heavy duty circumstances. Paul went through many trials many painful circumstances. And yet Paul says all things work together for the good of those who love God. It doesn't say all things will be good for those who love God. We know that's not true. But we do know that they work out for the good, for our good. God is so great and so big that when horrible things happen to you as a Christian, God will find some sort of good in it if you trust him. Listen to what the Apostle Paul went through in his life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it gives us a list here, 24 to 27. This is what it says. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. 
I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced dangers in the cities, dangers in the deserts and on the seas. And I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but they are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty. I've and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Could you write a list like that to compare with what, with what Paul went through? I know I couldn't. I've never been on the sea for 24 hours floating. <laughs> that does not sound fun. But Paul went through this. And yet he still says everything works out for the good of those who love God. Amen. At the very end of Paul's life, before he died, and they claim to believe that Paul was beheaded by, by Nero, but before he died, Paul says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You see, our faith journey, our trust in Christ journey is not a one-time thing. It's not just, I believe, I trust, yay. It is a lifetime, daily thing. Until you take your last breath, it is a journey of saying, I believe God. I know things are hard right now, but I believe God. I know things don't look good, but I trust in God. It's a journey until we take our final breath. And Paul says just before he died, I have kept the faith. So we know all things work together for our good. We believe that, but there's one massively important responsibility that you and I have. This huge responsibility that we have, as I've said already, is that we must trust the Lord with everything in us. We believe God. We believe his word. We believe and know he's with us. We believe he's working everything out for us. We believe that he knows about what we're going through. We believe that he cares about what we're going through. The weight, the burden of life. We believe that he is aware of it. Because Satan would love for us to believe his lies and saying that, no, God isn't aware. God doesn't care. We can't trust him. Satan would love to rob you of your faith and trust in God. Let nothing rob you of your faith in the Lord. Your trust, your childlike trust in God because he wants it. We must always trust in the Lord. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. We're going to read a fantastic story, Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus was his name, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. And he begged Jesus earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she might be healed and that she will live. So Jesus went with him. And a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow or an issue of blood for 12 years. She was constantly bleeding out. Verse 26, And she had many, she suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all that she had and was no better, but rather she grew worse. 
When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. For she said, if only I might touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. This woman had suffered for 12 years of constant bleeding and she saw many doctors and spent all of her money to find no good results. It only got worse. Can you relate with that at all? Circumstances, it seems that you're even going to God, you're even praying about it, you're seeing doctors, you're talking to counselors, you're talking to pastors, you're, you're waiting on God, trusting God, and yet still things get worse. And finally, when she came and had this encounter with Jesus, her faith in Jesus made her well. And she was now healed completely because of her faith in Jesus. And the church said, amen, that's a great thing. That's a great, powerful testimony right there to find this woman being healed. But what about Jairus? He started the story. It's like it started with Jairus saying, Lord Jesus, please heal my daughter. She's going to die. And yet then it turns to this other story of this lady getting Jesus' attention and finding healing. But what about Jairus? It's like he's still waiting there watching this. And he's like, I thought you were coming with me. I thought you were coming to help my problem, my situation, Jesus. And then he's standing there watching them take care of somebody else. Do you ever see in your life sometimes you're praying and believing God for something, a breakthrough, an answer to prayer, and yet somebody else gets the prayer that you've been needing the answer for? Am I alone in that? It's like, Lord, wait, I've been praying for that and you gave it to them? What's up with this? But Jairus is still in the picture here. And we pick up the story in verse 35. Well, he was still speaking, Jesus some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said to Jairus, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? This is called a bad report. This is that phone call at midnight you get that someone's been in an accident or someone's passed away. You know those times where, you know, five years ago I got a text message from my mom out of nowhere saying, Uncle Brian and Bradley, my cousin, are killed in a car accident. Just out of nowhere, these, these bad reports come. We all experience them. And Jairus gets this bad report that his daughter is now dead. Why, why bother? Why bother Jesus anymore? Verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Wait a second, Jesus. My daughter's dead. And you're telling me not to be afraid but to believe? Isn't it too late? Do not be afraid. Only believe. Despite what you see in your life. Despite what you feel. Now this is easy for me to preach, kind of. It's easy for you to believe it. To say it. Right? Rah, rah. 
we believe despite what we see, despite what we feel, rah, rah. It's, and you can get kind of pumped up and yay, you might even leave today feeling encouraged and I hope you do. But it's another thing to hold on to that belief because you're going to face the same circumstance as you leave this place until by God's grace it changes. But Jesus says, don't be afraid, only believe, trust me. Verse 38, then he came, Jesus came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? This child's not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed Jesus. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. And then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, rise, get up. Immediately the girl arose and walked as she was 12 years old of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. And I love verse 43. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something, some, something should be given her to eat. <laughs> I love that. He raises her from the dead. He performs this miracle, answers Jairus' prayer, gives him what he is in need of. And then he says, now give her some food. She's hungry. Jesus takes care of us in every area, even with what we got to eat. Amen. I love that verse there. I'm glad they put that in there. But no matter what comes our way, we trust in the Lord. Sickness might come. Death of a loved one might come. Debt Lack of money, lack of employment, we heard it this morning. Family issues, marriage issues, sin issues, addictions. Maybe there's struggles of particular sin. Don't just hide sin. Don't just feel shamed because of sin. Get it out in the open and confess it. Be real with God and God will be faithful to you. Put your trust in him regarding sin or issues or struggles, whatever it might be. God wants your trust in every area of your life. Lord, I don't know what to do, but I trust you. He loves when we say that. I don't know what to do. And he's like, good, it's about time you said that sentence. I don't know what to do, but I trust you, God. And he will show himself faithful and strong. Amen? Amen. Even when others seem to get the answers, keep trusting. Keep praying. As Jairus, he went to Jesus and he waited on Jesus and he got his answer from Jesus. Proverbs 3, verse five, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. You and I are on a path right now. We're walking this path, this journey. There's times we hit mountains. It becomes hard. We're climbing up. We're tired. There's times we go down into valleys. It's lonely. There's mountains and valleys and rivers and green grass and dry grass. And, and there's so many things on this path. There's hurdles we come. We got to seem to get over and on and on. But God says if we trust in him with all of our heart, and not lean upon what we see, upon our own understanding. And if we acknowledge God in everything, kind of like when I spun out, out of nowhere, I just acknowledge Jesus. When, you, when, you, when your eyes are on God, it's not that I'm special. Oh, Matt just thinks of Jesus all day. No, that's not true. There's times I think of Matt all day. There's times I've th got to think of my job all day. But when you're living your life in faith in Christ, 
It just naturally is a part of you. He doesn't want you trying to figure it out. We trust in him and he will direct us as we walk on our path. Psalm 37 verse 5, it says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Give your ways to God. Tell him your plans. Pray about your plans. Pray about your desires. Pray about things you're going through. Tell him everything. Tell him everything. He already knows it, but he loves to hear it from our lips. Commit your ways to God. Lord, I'm doing this. I'm trusting you for this. God, I'm going here now. Lord, I'm committing this to you. And then trust him with it. So often we can commit things to God and then we just pick it right back up again and leave the prayer closet. That makes no sense. I'm guilty of that. Cindy might say, wait, Matt, I thought you just prayed about that. I thought you gave it to God. Why are you talking about it again? Leave it with him. Trust him with it. And he'll bring it to pass according to his plans and purposes. Psalms 56 verse 3. Very simply, the psalmist says, When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Have you ever been afraid before? We're told by God's word, trust the Lord in times of fear. I will trust in you. And Isaiah 26 verse 3, you'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. Your mind can be a battleground for the enemy. The last three years of my life, I've experienced warfare in my mind like never before in my years of serving God. Obviously, my wife knows all about it. We've gone through it together because we're married. What the husband goes through, the wife goes through. It's how it works. At least it's how it should work. But it's been this new journey of, okay, Matt, let's, let's pray about this. Let's pray about what's on your mind. These thoughts, these lies from the devil. If he can get you to believe what he plants inside your mind, if he can get you to believe it, then eventually, if you believe it, it's going to come to pass. You'll start to act upon it. We've got to pull those, those thoughts down that Satan puts in our mind. But the Bible says that he'll keep you in peace, perfect peace, if your mind is stayed on him. It doesn't mean you're not going to struggle with thoughts. It doesn't mean you're not going to have to pull things down and do some spiritual warfare in your mind with God's word. But it does mean he promises that you're going to have peace. Tell him your fears and he'll give you peace. Tell him your anxieties and he'll give you his peace as your mind is stayed upon God. Amen? God simply wants us to trust him. I want to turn our attention to the man named Job in scripture. You can just listen here. I'm going to be bouncing around from scriptures. But we find in Job chapter 1 verse 1, it tells us about who Job is. There once was a man named Job. I, I heard once this just came to my mind. I heard one, a Christian comedian once say, when I first became a Christian, I was new and excited in the faith and immediately I already knew what my favorite book of the Bible was. And he's like, my favorite book was the book of Job because I needed one. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I'm glad you do as well. It's pronounced Job. But there was once a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz 
He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. This dude was a man of God. He loved the Lord. He was a godly man. Yet Job, as we understand his story, he experiences so much loss in his life. Have you experienced loss in your life before? I'm sure all of us could tell stories for hours and hours if we had the microphone about ways that we've experienced loss in our own lives, times of pain, times of trial and loss. Job lost his source of income completely. He was a farmer. He had farm animals. And he lost his business, completely destroyed. He lost all of his sheep, his shepherds, his animals were killed. He lost his children. All of his children were killed. His health was afflicted with boils that he would scrape with broken pottery in pain. His wife turned against him and against his God. And his friends accused him of sin in his life. Job went through loss and hardships like we will never understand. And I believe no man has ever experienced what Job has experienced. God raised up Job and revealed his life of what he went through in his word for our encouragement, for us to learn some lessons from. You see, Satan went to God and says, what about your servant Job? He was roaming the earth trying to get God's people from putting their faith, taking the, robbing them of their faith in God. And you see, God allowed the devil to put Job through pain and to allow him to experience this loss. And sometimes that can be a mystery to me. Satan does not have free reign, though. We need to understand that. You see, what Job went through, the loss of his kids and money and all the pain that Job went through, God did not afflict him with that. But God allowed Satan to afflict him with it. Satan, yes, he roars, roams around as a roaring lion, we, we read in 1 Peter chapter 5. But he's on a leash. And when it comes to what he can do to God's kids, Christians, he's on a leash. He can only go so far. He can only do what God will permit him to do. In fact, in this case, God said, have you tried my servant Job? Because God knew that Job would, would hold on to his profession of faith in God, despite what he goes through. And he went through a lot. But suddenly, out of nowhere, much like we can experience, Job finds himself living in a nightmare, a season of darkness in his life. And Job, in this season of darkness, he actually says these very words here found in Job chapter 3, verse 11 through 13. Listen to what Job says in his season of darkness. He says, why wasn't I born dead? Why didn't I die as I came from my mother's womb? Why was I laid on my mother's lap? Why did she nurse me at her breasts? Had I died at birth, I would now be at peace. I would be asleep and at rest. Is that not amazing? Even Christians in times of despair, we can say crazy things because of how we're feeling. Let's be real here. We're not always praising the name of Jesus. There's times that we say things we shouldn't say. And I believe God wants us to be real with him. 
And Job was being real with God. Lord, why was I even born? Why did you not allow me to die when my mother gave birth to me? I would be at peace and not have to go through this pain, is what he says here. Elijah, another man of God, a prophet of God in the Old Testament, he saw fire fall from heaven, and that fire from heaven consumed the false prophets of Baal. And victory, this great victory for the glory of God was won, and Elijah was the man of God to pray and believe God for this victory. And next thing you know, Jezebel, that wicked woman, the wife of King Ahab, came to Elijah and says, in 24 hours, you will be dead. And you would think that this man of God would say, get thee behind me. I stand in faith. Instead, Elijah's running for his life in fear. Have you been there before? Sometimes the lies of Satan are so vicious that they can, they can cripple you in fear. And Elijah, this man of God, is running from Jezebel in fear and listen to what he prays. 1 Kings 19 verse 4. It is enough now, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Elijah wanted to die because of his fear. And praise God, God met with him where he was at. Aren't you glad that you don't have to figure your way out, out of that mess, out of feeling that way, to find, to find a place of faith again in God, but God will meet you there? God comes to him and meets him, and, and he goes back in strength and faith once again to fulfill God's plan for his life. We find Moses prayed this prayer to God while leading Israel through the wilderness. Israel was constantly murmuring. If you read through the books of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, you will see countless times out of nowhere, you'll see Israel murmuring, complaining. Oh, if we only stayed in Egypt. They saw God deliver them from slavery and open up the Red Sea. They could walk through to dry land and find freedom. And yet they constantly find place of whining and complaining. Oh, we want meat. Oh, we're tired of manna. Oh, we want water. Oh, we don't like the way this water tastes. Give us fresher, cleaner water. And on and on and on. And Moses, the leader, is trying to lead this people. How discouraging for the leader and all he hears is his people whining. And then they see God's prevail and, and, and deliverance and whoo, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. And then one week later, they're whining again. Can you imagine how discouraging that would be if your church would just whine and whine? Oh, oh woe is me. It would weigh so heavy on any leader. And this happened to Moses, and the pressure got to Moses. And he says this in Numbers eleven fifteen. He says this to God. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. If I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my wretchedness. Moses, praise to God. Please kill me here and now. I can't take this anymore. Again, Job says, had I only died at birth, I would now be at peace. But Job holds on to his faith and trust in God despite what he sees around him. 
Despite what he's going through, despite what other people might say, he holds on to his trust in God. And he says in Job 23, verse 8 through 10, listen to these words of Job. I, I love this. I, we can all relate to this honesty in the words of Job. He says, I go east, but speaking of God, I go east, but God's not there. I go west, but I can't find him. I do not see him in the north, for he's hidden. I look to the south, but he's concealed. But he knows where I am going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure gold. We can all relate to that. God, where are you? I'm praying and I'm waiting and I'm trying to be faithful at what you've called me to do. But I don't see you in my life. I don't feel you in my life. I don't see answers to my prayer, God. Where are you, Lord? But I believe that you know where I'm going and what I'm going through. Another version says, you know the way that I take, Lord, is Job's response. Job 13, verse 15. Job declares his profession of faith despite what he's going through. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. God, even if you slay me, even if you kill me and take my life, I will trust you. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. Sometimes God takes his people into the furnace. Times of hot trials. And like goldsmiths, they'll, they'll take gold that's filthy, it's just been mined. And they take this filthy gold and they'll put it into the fire. And they'll bring it out of the fire. And they'll put it in the fire and they'll keep bringing it in and out of the fire. And every time it goes into that fire, the heat, it, the impurities of that gold are being lifted up to the surface where they can be cleaned off. And it's much like you and I as, as Christ's followers. We're, we, we are on a process of sanctification. You and I, nobody here has ever arrived. We will never be righteous enough in God's eyes. We are on a process until we go to be with Jesus in heaven of sanctification. And God, all even things we don't see, will go into a season of, of, of trial where it's, where it's like we're in the fire and we'll come out of that more pure, more Christ-like, because God knows how to take impurities away from us. Aren't you glad for that? <laughs> I've experienced that in my life many times, where he's like, okay, Matt, let's take care of that. And he throws me in to the fire. And I'm in the fire. Okay, Lord, please, I've learned my lesson. Take me out of here. And he takes me out. And by his grace, I'm more pure. But there's times where that's where we need to be. And God knows when we need to go there, how long we need to go there, how hot that fire needs to be so that we can become more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 10 says, Behold, I have refined you. This is God speaking about the people of Israel. He says, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. See, sometimes we don't want to believe that, that God would use affliction and, and trials to, to make us more like him. But it's the truth. We've read on a few accounts here in Scripture, and there's many more through Scripture, that God will take us in times of affliction where he's testing our faith. He's testing us to see if our faith is real or if it's just surface. He wants a church that will trust him through anything. 
And the only way that we can get there is through affliction. So that we can go from faith to faith. We we, we love to sing about that. Oh Lord, take me from faith to faith. But then it's one thing to go through it. we got to go through it. And he loves when we say, God, I don't know what to do here. This hurts. Lord, I'm, 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 I'm sad. I'm lonely. I'm heartbroken. I'm scared. But Lord, I'm trusting you. Oh, he loves that. That delights God. Amen? When, he's, when he hears that we trust him despite what we're going through. And this, these words of Job, as I close in a few minutes here, these words of Job have become my own personal prayer on the inside, my own personal prayer, but he knows where I'm going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure gold. And yet he slay me, I will trust him. I pray that internally to God daily. Lord, you know what you're doing. Lord, I thank you that I don't have to figure it out, God. I can commit it to you and trust you. And when that anxiety comes within me, oh, that temptation to try to figure things out on my own, Have you been there before? I need my wife to slap me really hard and then I need God to hear me say, Lord, I trust that you know what you're doing. Because it gets hard, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It gets hard. But as we live like Jesus wants us to live one day at a time, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough trouble for you. So trust him today. But life gets hard. We all know that. But God remains faithful, doesn't he? Even right now, there's things I'm waiting for God for. There's things I'm trusting God with. There's there's answers I'm believing for. And I just need to trust him. We just need to trust God. He's faithful. I want to just share for a few moments here. My wife and I have been married for 17 years. We got married when we were 20 years old. I I know we look like we're 20, but... Praise God. When we're 50, we're going to look like we're 30. But we've married 17 years. And after about being married for a year, God called us into the ministry. We didn't ask for it. We didn't pray for it. We didn't just do it on our own. God called us. He gave me a vision. And I knew it was God. And next thing you know, literally, literally, about a month after God gave me a vision, we were leading the youth group at our church in Kitchener of about 30 youth. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but we were leading them. We started to, God started to teach us what he called us to together as husband and wife. We began to learn instruments and begin to sing a little bit. And, and, and that's how our ministry began. We just, we, we heard the call and we wanted to be obedient. And about when, when our son Austin was about 10 months old, God um, opened up a door for us to go with my parents to a city called Aurelia, just north of Barrie, Ontario. And he was 10 months. This is November of 2005. We moved up to Aurelia. And we never knew of Aurelia. When, when it was first presented to us, we had no idea. But we were going there, um, a city of about 30,000, to take over a small church that was just on its last breath. And the pastor wanted us to come and take it over. So my dad 
was leading that church and we were assisting and serving in the ministry, however God wanted us to there. And we were at that church for four months. We moved everything up there. We, um, we, we got settled there, as settled as we could. And four months after leaving everything behind, following the call of God, trying to be obedient to what God called us to do, after four months, that pastor, based on lie after lie, fired, up, fired my dad based on all these lies and accusations, and we were all kicked out of the church that he wanted us to come and take over. That's now the furnace of affliction, a trial. What do you do? There were tears shed. There were questions, God, why? Lord, what's, what now? What do we do? Like, I thought this is your plan. We thought we were going to see that church grow, and that was what God called us to do. And four months later, we're out on the street. Not living on the street, thankfully, but just in a place of not knowing what to do. So, a few weeks later, we, we felt God calling us with my parents to start our own church. We called it a really life center. We met at a place called the Moose Lodge. It was a place where 50 to 60-year-old men on a Saturday night would drink beer and smoke cigarettes and play darts. And so on a Sunday morning, we'd go there and set up church, and we'd have to dump some ashtrays and throw some beer bottles out and spray some air stuff, air freshener, and we had church there. And then eventually from there, God opened up a new facility. I remember Pastor Walter came up one time on Barry Road there, that little flea market building. I remember him preaching that. I remember as if it happened yesterday. And, and, and we were there for a couple years and we, we saw some people coming in and we saw some growth and we, we, we were encouraged. Oh, God is doing some great things here. And then God led us downtown of the city of Aurelia and put us in a larger facility right downtown Aurelia, and it seemed like things were growing. It seemed like things were really starting to happen here. We opened up a coffee house on Friday nights, my wife and I, uh, to target all the single moms and the, and the youth and young adults of downtown Aurelia. A lot of them hanging on the streets. They would come in the first Friday night. We had a sandwich board on, on the front street saying, free coffee, free donuts, you know, come on in, coffee house. And I remember that first night, nobody came. Just my wife and I and a couple workers. We were discouraged. The next Friday night and every Friday night for a year, that place was filled with young people that we could sit and listen to, hear their stories of what they're going through, pray with them, gain trust with them, share the gospel of Jesus with them, give them free donuts and coffee. It was a good thing. And we saw fruit in this ministry. We did. And then after about doing that for a year, that season ended for us. And eventually, God connected us with a large church, the largest church in Aurelia at that time. And we got a good relationship with the ministry team there. And this was an open door. And eventually, this led to the pastor wanting me to come on to be the interim youth pastor of that church. They were going through a transition. So I was now part-time there, part-time at my church. And I'm like, I felt, I felt like this was it. And so my wife and I, with our, with our kids, my daughter was a baby at the time, we expected that, that Aurelia would be our settling place, our home, to raise our kids, to do what God had called us to do. When he first called us and we first started learning the ministry, this was why. This was the reason for it. This, we finally arrived. And after six months, they sat down with me and said that they hired somebody else and they appreciated my service. It wasn't his will for me. But now we found ourselves in a season of great discouragement. God, 
Why would you allow this? And next thing you know, a few months after they hired somebody else, we were on our way moving back to Waterloo. And it was not a fun move. We came back to Waterloo. We kind of got settled. It was a hard transition. We weren't happy. We were struggling financially. We were struggling emotionally. We were struggling. We were in this dark place. But God began to show us his purpose and his plan. We became involved at World Outreach Ministries under Pastor Dale Hoke, and the Lord opened up doors for us there to get involved in ministry and to, to sit under his, his leading. And God taught us lessons there. And then about three years ago, God called, God called us out of there to join my parents who were now also at the time in Kitchener where we are now serving alongside of them. And here we are. But you see, all these times along the way, I thought it was going to go one way and it went another way. Tis life. <laughs> it's how it goes. We need to accept that. And that's hard for me. Because I want to see so much more. I want to see so much more. But I can't figure it out. I work 50 hours a week at work to provide for my family. I need time to be a faithful husband and give my wife time because she loves spending time with me, praise the Lord. <laughs> Some wives don't like spending time with their husbands. I'm grateful. I need time for my kids to, to play with them, to hang with them, to you know, drink Coke and eat chips and watch a family movie with them. I, I don't have time or strength or ability to try to figure out what the next big thing God has for me within the ministry, I leave it with him. There's no better place to, to leave that with, than with the Lord. And so that's where I find myself now. I believe there's so much more that God wants to do, but I don't have a clue what it is. So what am I going to do? I'm going to commit my ways to God and I'm going to trust him. And he'll bring it to pass. Amen? Amen? Let me pray for you as we close. Father, I just thank you this morning for your faithfulness, God. I thank you, Lord, that you never stop leading us. Lord, the only time you will stop leading us is if we turn around and start to go our own way. Lord, you'll let us have seasons of walking our own way, figuring things out on our own, Lord. God, I pray for each person here, whatever they're going through, whatever they're struggling with, God, that they would trust you, that they would keep praying about it. Lord, even if it's, even if it's in many tears, that they would keep praying about it and keep casting their cares upon you, Lord. And God, I pray that as we continue to serve you, Lord, that in all of us, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you would ignite fresh faith within us to trust in you, regardless of what we see, regardless of what we feel, regardless of what people might say or think. Lord, our trust is in you. Lord, I pray for this church, God, that your plans and your purposes would come to pass for it. It's not their church. It's your church. 
And Jesus, you promised that you would build your church, God. And it's, Lord, it's not even this building. It's not this meeting place. This is just a place to keep us warm from the cold air outside. That's all it is. Lord, we are the church. Your people, God. And I pray that, Lord, as this church goes out to their families, to workplaces, Lord, to grocery stores and shopping malls, wherever they might go, Lord, that they would be your witness, that they would be your hands and feet, Jesus. Lord, I pray that this church would see incredible things happen in it and through it for the glory of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you are so trustworthy. Lord, many of us have had people stab us in the back and walk away from us and hurt us, Lord. But God, you never do and you never will. So Lord, I pray for those who are maybe hurting this morning, God, from, from betrayal, Lord, that they would cast themselves upon your love upon your goodness and your faithfulness for them. And they would find healing and new faith and new trust in you, O God. Lord, go with us as we go our separate ways, Father. Holy Spirit, fill us with fresh joy. Fill us with perfect peace, I pray. Thanks for listening to Matt Noel Ministries Sermon Podcasts. I trust you were blessed by today's episode. We'll see you next time. God bless.